WMEX Quincy Boston, streaming at WMEXBoston.com. And on your smart speaker, just say, play WMEX. The greatest hits of all time are back. This is the all-new WMEX. WMEX Boston. After fighting and coaching his way through a storied 47-year professional hockey career, Mike Milbury's gloves are again dropping to the ice for this next chapter as a radio host talking about the NHL, the Boston Bruins, and the hockey world at large. Proudly being brought to you by Ketchis Law Group, New England. Check them out online at KetchisLaw.com. You are listening to Gloves Off Hockey with your host, Mike Milbury. Alongside your friend Ben and Russ Stevens sitting in tonight. Mike, welcome back to the program, brother. Always good to have you. And what a time to be a Boston Bruins fan. Am I wrong? Oh, no, you're not wrong at all. This is a... Nobody saw this coming. I mean, no one saw this coming. I'm sure Kim Neely and Don Sweeney didn't see it coming. But since we last chatted, the Bruins have played three times. They beat Detroit going away 5-1 to one at home. Then they went to Columbus and shellacked the Blue Jackets 4 nothing. The Blue Jacket players should return some of the pay for that effort. It was Seriously. just It was pathetic. And then last night they make their way to Pittsburgh where the Penguins come off a road trip and they've been they start off the season 4-0 and 1 and they reverse that to 0-4 and 1 in the last 5 going into the game. You know, I was struck by the similarity between the Penguins and the Bruins. The Penguins sort of saddled up all their old horses, you know, got everybody back, gave Malkin, you know, 36-year-old Evgeny Malkin a big four-year contract, and Latang is back in the lineup. Well, he wasn't in the lineup last night because he was hurt. But it was get the game back together, the gang back together again, and let's give it another try. Let's see how deep we can go with this group. I was a little surprised, but the same thing happened in Boston. Bergeron, Kretschy reunited. Bergeron was questionable about retirement. Kretschy, who knew what he was going to do? Let's have one last dance together. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so... How things are different from the, the start of the season for the Penguins and, and for the Bruins. Penguins now looking like an average team, making mistakes all over the place. Um, and But I would have thought they would have been charged up for this one at home. You, you know, it's a funny statistic. The home team in this series in the last 23 games wins 19 out of those 23 games. That's crazy. I mean, they're both good teams. They're both capable of playing on the road. But the home ice advantage seemed to be quite an advantage, advantage in this series. And uh, add to that the fact that the Bruins coach feared for this one after he, he said they had, they had a brutal morning practice. Now, if I'm not mistaken, they came back after Columbus and he gave them two days off. He gave them Saturday and Sunday off, and then they came back to practice on Monday before flying out to Pittsburgh. So, you know, that gap in practice time can sometimes come back to bite you. you it may pay dividends down the line, but two days off in the middle of the season, that's a rare thing indeed. Sullivan, Montgomery's counterpart, um, had said prior to the game that Pittsburgh was giving up way too many chances. He wasn't kidding. He was I mean, not. He was not. And this is right away, the Bruins climb back into this and it's get to be a regular tale of climbing back into games or giving up leads or whatever. It's just been topsy-turvy for the Bruins. And it was Trent Frederick that had a close-in chance and the Penguins' defense just went for a swim. Two guys separated, went their own ways, and Charlie Coyle got a 
two, three whacks at the puck in the blue paint. And, you know, you give a big guy like that who's got some strength, it's a dirty goal. And you had to love it. And then you thought, okay, this is going to, we're going to be okay here from a Bruins standpoint. So it's much harder to defend in front without taking a penalty these days. And there was a time when you could really hack, cross-check a guy, you know, who came in front to, to shield a goaltender. But not anymore. I mean, I remember a guy by the name of Gary Dornhofer who played for the Philadelphia Flyers, and he was the net front presence guy on a power play or any time for that matter. And I used to cross-check him across the back as hard as I could, and he finally figured it out. So when I cross-checked him, he went down, but he lifted up his skate right, in the, right underneath my cup. I was a little more careful cross-checking the guy in the future. but It's a subtle it was a, way of letting you know, right, Mike? It was very subtle. Anyway, Boston got a, a boost from the first goal, and they took advantage of a sloppy pinch by Pittsburgh. That's another thing that Mike Sullivan's going to have to worry about. Um, they broke out of the zone clean. And then Mike Felino, another Mike Felino moment, makes a great pass to Jacob Lauco for his first goal of the year. It was a, it was a dandy play by that line, and you want contributions from that fourth line. And Felino's been giving it. Now Loco jumps in. Kind of a neat story. He had a good friend that was sick and dying of cancer, and he told him, you know, when I get my first goal, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back and give it to your mom. And they knew he was not going to make it, and, and that's what's going to happen with Loco's first goal. So kind of a neat story on that end. But That is nice. It, Some kind of silver lining in that situation, of course. You know, you always remember friends and family. That's what the hockey community is all about, Mike. And, you know, obviously the Bruins are rolling right now, but the human element of the game, that's a great point to bring that up there. And uh, Jacob Lauco making good on that promise. And, you know, the kid's not even looking half bad out there getting his first couple of points like that. <laughs> No, he he looked pretty good. It it was a timely goal because they needed to crawl back in it. And, and, you know, I remember my first goal was against Montreal. It was a game winner against Ken Dryden. I have a picture of it. And uh, it was – it's something that's so burnt into my memory, and I'm sure Lauko will feel the same way about it. It just – it's a moment to savor. And and he could savor it for a little while, but but not for too long because Pittsburgh came – right back at them and then and you know they grabbed the lead mid- midway through the second period you know you don't hear me say this too often but Bergeron uh got caught watching the puck they left Josh Archibald all alone in the slot like 10 15 out feet out in the slot and, and a quick pass out from behind the net Linus Elmark had no chance for that and it looked even worse when Rust out muscled Grizzlick to make it 4-2 you know I get worried when the guys on Clifton and Greslick were out on the ice. They're not very big. They are going to get out-muscled. And Clifton's pound-for-pound pound tough kid, but, you know, you just can't give up that much weight and get away with it all the time. And and then 20 seconds after they gave up that goal to Brian Rust, uh, right away they got a three-goal lead. On a 20 seconds, R- Ricard Raquel came flying through the middle of the zone. Again, the Bruins had people back, but... Uh, they weren't aware of where they had to be. I mean, you can be back, but you can't you can't allow a gap to happen. And when you give a, a talented person on the ice space and time, that's dangerous. And Raquel can score, and all of a sudden you're looking up at the clock, and it says five two Pittsburgh. And where where did that come from? 
Right. Nobody saw that score coming out of the gate on this game at all. And, you know, we were talking a little bit ahead of the program about this. It's almost like we got two Bruins games in one. We watched them literally choke up the first period and a half of hockey. And then out of nowhere in the third, they come back and rip it right out of Pittsburgh's hands. And Judd Surratt said something on the radio broadcast, Mike, that really caught my attention. As soon as the Bees tied it at five, he said the first thing out of his mouth and the Pittsburgh faithful are getting up and walking out. It's almost like they knew what was coming. And boy, were yeah, they right. It, well, it's funny. You know, at 5-2, the player mindset is is interesting to examine. You just don't know. What, what certain teams at 5-2 are going are gonna to tank it. They're just, they're, they know they're not good enough to get back in it. But this team doesn't feel that way. I mean, they have depth of skill. So how do you get back in it if you're down 5-2? you got to shoot the puck, shoot the puck, shoot the puck. And you got to crash the net. And and that's what they did. Actually, uh, Brandon Carlo had a good shot from the point. Bergeron crashed, and crashed the net, got a little too aggressive, and they, they waved that goal off. I but, couldn't believe that, by the way. Could well, you not know, believe I, it. I, it's funny. I was, when I was watching the game, and, and Dave Jackson is ESPN's expert on refereeing not one of my favorites dave jackson you know i liked it when you could talk to a guy but he was always such a sourpuss you know <laughs> i was i was a little bit of a whiner myself so i could have you know maybe ticked him off a little less by being a little kinder but you know they got the call right it was interference it was he, he knocked into the tristan jari's leg and and you know that's the way the cookie crumbles but anyway right. it's five two and and uh they didn't that didn't seem to bother them. I mean, they just kept on plugging, and finally they get a a power play opportunity. And uh, I believe Marshy rifled that one. Yeah, from a, on a, a sweet pass from from Lindholm. I mean, this was uh, you know they made it look so easy. I did think that Tristan, neither goaltender, was having a good time of it. I thought Jerry was way off his angles most of the night, but this was a good one timer from Marshan and at a time when they, they most needed it and their power plays, well, I don't know, it's not 25%, but it's not far off. But you get a goal like that and it was past the halfway point of the game and you're down, you're down now only two. The task really becomes manageable. You start to think that you could get back into this. And, and uh, you know, in fact, the coach does all sorts of things to maybe get the guys going again in the third period. He, he pulls the goaltender. Linus Olmark got pulled, and unfortunately for Jeremy Swayman, uh, he got hurt. He got hurt by, well, Bergeron crashed into them trying to hustle his way back. But you could tell that his leg was, his left pad was extended and outside the post. So when the collision occurred, he had nowhere to go. He just sort of straightened it out. It looked like his left leg just bent back. But apparently he was helped off the ice, but then... He left the building with an ice pack and no crutches, so I'm hoping that that's a, that's a good sign. Absolutely, and as soon as you saw it, you know, especially those crazy people who play goaltender out there, they know as soon as you start talking about hyperextension of any part of the knee, that is just not the recipe you're looking for. And thankfully, like you said, we didn't see him on any crutches, but we're keeping an eye, and hopefully he'll be okay. And Thankfully, that injury list, uh, it's already too much as it is, even though we've gotten a few guys back. And now you got to add uh, Derek Forbert on there, potentially. We lost him mid-game as well, and we did not see him return to the game at all. Well, the good news is David Krejci's at least skating again. I was a little nervous about that. It was a, <clears throat> You know, when you saw the hit, he got smacked with a stick in the head. You'd think, 
you're thinking concussion, but we haven't really got any details on what's come up with Krejci. But, um, you know, you think of the number of players that were <clears throat> unavailable to Boston last night, including Krejci, and remarkable that they showed the resilience to come back in that game and get the job done. But, it, you know, I think when you when you look at this team now, you, at 10 games in, you're starting to believe. You're Why? Because, number one, Lindholm, who's been just fantastic for the Bruins, is starting to play the way they thought he could play. Four points last night for Hampus Lindholm. I mean, he moved the puck well. He's on for a couple against, I guess, but still that's that's going to happen. And, and But I thought, you know, when he can play like this uh, and they can they can go forward without a Charlie Mark of McAvoy in the lineup, I, I can't wait to see the pair of them get back. I'm not going to tell you that it's Brad Park and Bobby Orr on the blue line for what did they play for 11 games together, but this is a, <laughs> a, a one-two punch that it, it's it's going to be scary for opposing teams. Yep. Anyway, so at 5-3, you start to believe in the third period. You get a goaltender change that catches your attention, and then um, <clears throat> it was a, a shot by Lindholm, speaking of Lindholm, that Zaka tipped. Again, Jerry was somewhere out to lunch, I thought, on that particular play. And then it took him to just over a minute left to go with a pulled goaltender to get the tying goal. And it was a Postenok shot again from the point. Taylor Hall corralled it, and he just turned and whipped it. I mean, I don't think he could make a perfect shot like that again if he had 10 more tries at it. But nope. perfect, perfect as it was. And that ties it up and sends it to overtime. And in overtime, by the way, three-on-three three is – some of the most fun, entertaining, athletic experiences you will ever witness in a hockey game. Three three on three came into play a few years ago. I think it was the Detroit general manager at the time, Ken Holland, suggested it. And um, people went to work on it, and, you know, four on four or three on three. And finally, we get to three on three. And it was <clears throat> it was just a whole bunch of fun to watch this game wind down. Lindholm took advantage of Pittsburgh backing in, and all of a sudden they go home happy 6-5. Okay, it was ugly. It was a little nasty in the defensive zone. Your go- your goaltender, one of your best players all season long, was not on his game but somehow managed to make some saves in the third period, and they win, and that's the bottom line, and that's what they're doing night after night. So God bless them. Let's see if they can keep it up and get some reinforcements back and go the distance with it. Sounds about right to me, Mike. Coming up already on our first break, so we're going to step aside and take that right now here on WMEX. And again, folks, the phone lines are open, 781-834-9639. We are taking your calls today and uh, every day, matter of fact. Don't forget, this program is being brought to you by Ketchis Law Group, New England. For more information, find them online at KetchisLaw.com. You're listening to Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury right here on 1510 WMEX. And we will be right back after a brief word from our sponsors. We're back here live on 1510 WMEX. Ben Rabinovitz alongside Mike Milbury and Russ Stevens sitting in in studio taking your calls at 781-834-9639. Well, Mike, we have quite a couple of games to break down here and some even more to look forward to. Uh, let's say we jump into the first couple of calls, though. We do have a few on the board here. We're going to say hey to Don and Quincy joining us first. He wanted to talk about last night's game as well. Don, welcome on. Hi, Mike. Hi, hey. Benny. 
Hey. Uh, and I promise you, Mike, no old stuff tonight. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We're off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I want your opinion, okay? I forget who it was that went into the goalie, uh, Yari, okay, uh, the first penalty, uh, the penalty, and it was a BS call, okay? He got pushed into the goalie. And how can you put your stick down? Like he said, on uh, one of the announcers said, how can you put your stick down when you can't, I mean, your, your arms down when you're being pushed? Honest to God, really. He got pushed into the goaltender. And I don't know why coach didn't uh, call a replay on it. Well, I don't know that he can appeal on that. That's the coach's uh, referee's decision, but it's, uh, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. And it's, I know that Mike Sullivan was complaining last night about his goaltender being, you know, interfered with or, you know. Well, it's his I own mean, player pushing a player into the goalie. Yeah, it's tough to determine whether that player, though, sometimes could have put the brakes on or could have somehow tried to prevent it. But And sometimes the referees screw it up. I know that as well as anybody, but it's just. Mike, I am most proud and happy, and I can't believe it, that Marshy is back on the ice. Both hip surgeries, I am serious. Okay, I had both my knees operated on at once, so I know the pain that he's going through, and I cannot believe, what was it, five months now? Yeah, I, I, I think everybody's surprised that he, you know, but shouldn't be surprised that this guy's come back with the kind of jump in his stride. I mean, he's been, you know, he's been such a competitor for all of his career and a big boost to get him back. And obviously the goal that he scored last night set the Bruins back on track to get him into a position where they could where they could come on strong in the third period, which they did. By the way, it was Pasternak who had, was interfering with Jari. That was the call on, on him. So. Yeah. Um, Thank you. But, um, you know, I'm with Ben. The, the number of injuries now, Swayman goes down. They, they're they going to have to make, a, I guess, Kincaid came, is called up back, and I think we're going to have to look at maybe another defenseman. But they still have Riley in the wings, although there's still continues to be some trade talk around him. But anyway, 9-1, and one, best start in franchise history, and they're doing it in all sorts of different ways. All right, I take it back. I swore it was ten and one. I told Benny earlier. I swore it was ten. Okay, I said nine and one too. Nine and one. <laughs> I added an extra. Why not? Um, also, I I I, I love that goal. Like he got it open. Like it was all open from the shot. The overtime goal, Lindholm. Oh well, my this, God, this, uh, I, we were just talking about it, uh, yeah. on, they have, a so much more, so much more room to operate on a three on three situation. I mean, actually there was a game last night, Ottawa versus, uh, Tampa Bay that, uh, was a wild finish and it was because of three on three Tampa, uh, had the lead and Ottawa vacated their net in favor of an extra skater and, Tampa came down the ice with an open net and, and missed their opportunity. And Steven Stamkos tried to pass it back to the point man in the offensive zone. It missed and went right to Brady to Chuck for a breakaway with almost no time left on the clock. He missed the net. So all's well that ended well, but it was three on three. You never know what's going to happen. I see coaches trying really hard to manage a three on three game. Like they manage five on five, but you, you can't get that done. In fact, there was another guy while we're on this, 
There was another game that ended last, last night in overtime. It was New York Rangers and Philadelphia Flyers. Maybe talk about that a little bit more in a while. But in the overtime, all three Flyers forwards with just about a minute to go in the game got caught up ice. And it was Abanajad who sent off Chris Kreider on a, it looked like a penalty shot because he was free from, from the center dot on. And he made a beautiful move to score against Carter Hart, who had a terrific game despite the loss. And uh, anyway, the point is, three-on-three is one of the best, uh, I think, the best changes to the game that's happened in a very long time. And I don't think, I think it's a much better way to, I'd even like to see it in in overtime and right off the bat in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Like just in the playoffs. Give them them one 20-minute, the playoffs that go to overtime and go long in overtime, Gets to be too much. The players get too tired. They can't recover. I mean, five o- overtimes is great, but but by the time of the fourth overtime, you've lost most of the fans. They're all gone to bed. The players can't recover for the next game in a series. So play one twenty. If you really want to be a purist about it, play one twenty minute overtime period, and then let them go to a three on three, and then the shootout. That's how I'd like to see it done, except in series cl- clinching games. And then let it play out. Absolutely. I like that because you can't have game seven end with a three on three. I mean, I love three on three, but I can't see a a game seven ending like that. It's got to be a team effort or nothing at all. I do like that point, though. And Don, thank you very much for the call. We're going to go to our next caller right now. We've got Kevin calling in from out in Melrose. Kevin, you're live with us. Uh, Mike Milbury and your friend Ben live on WMEX. What's up? Yes, sir. Um, I've had it in my mind for a number of years now. I play these mind games thinking about breaking down the schedule of a year. And I break it down into 10-game sections so that if a team over 10 games can pick up, say, 12 to 13 points, they do it over the length of the schedule, they're pretty certain of getting either in the playoffs or close to the playoffs. And I was thinking, obviously, the first 10 games this year, we're 9-1, so 18 points. We're four or five points in the bank for later on in the year when we went to the uh, slump that every team will eventually go into. But I got to thinking to myself, where did I ever get this idea from? And I thought, and I thought, and I think it had something to do with Mike Bilberry. Tell, when you were the coach of the Bruins, did you guys have some kind of a deal where every 10 games – They'd do some kind of an evaluation, and the players would get a bonus. Is that well? We didn't. We didn't give. We didn't give bonus money, but you know, we might have done something. But yeah, I like to break it down. It gives specific goals. You're playing in an 80 plus game season. Just making a particular segment important, and and evaluating not only five on five play, but your special teams, power play, penalty kill, and your goaltending. And, you know, looking at your offense as a whole and your defense as a whole, it, it gives them – it also gives them a, a short-term goal. You know, I, we want to be on the plus side in this 10-game segment. We want our power play to be at, you know, 24%. We want our penalty kill to be at 82%. And so you can corral, you know, these goals into 10-game segments, and I think the players can grab onto that. You know, and, and if they've had a bad segment – they get a they get a fresh start in the next ten, so it works it works in that way. And you know, different coaches have different ways of evaluating or different time periods. But for me, the shorter segments um, were, I think, motivating for players. Well, and I think it it, it gives me a or gives you know maybe the fans an idea of you know where, where's this team really at after X number of games. So the next ten games, we figure the Bruins out the the Rangers. 
They have the Maple Leafs. They have the uh, Blues. They have the Flames. They have the Saints. I mean, they, they, have, they have some telling games in the next 10 games and see how they do in the next 10. And if they get, you know, 10 or 12, well, say 12 or 13 points in the next 10 games, then I'm going to say, okay, you know, so this, this team probably will make the playoffs this year. But if they regress, which I hope they don't, but if they do... No, I, I don't see them. I don't, I don't know why you'd think they'd be regressing at this point because... Oh, no, uh, no, no, not at all. I think I, I, I think, I think, think if the, the, the goaltenders answered a question for me, um, the team's character's, you know, been good because they've been fighting through some injuries and still winning hockey games. And when you get a team like this that starts this way, it it builds a certain sort of swagger and a confidence that um, can often last throughout the year. Yeah, you're going to have a couple of losses in a row, but if you stem the bleeding at two losses in a row, you're going to you're going to be okay. And th- I think oh. this team has showed they can come back from any kind of deficit and win the hockey games. And I think they're uh, they're they're proving it. I'm, I'm a little worried about them staying healthy right now, uh, especially somebody of Krejci's, uh position. But you know. There's not much you can do about that. Just hope for the best. But right now, they they look like they this first ten game segment they they're getting check marks across the board. Well, now the, the, in the immediate future, they're going to have a problem with the cap when McAvoy comes back. And I hope that whoever's running that, I guess it's maybe Evan Gold or whoever up at the Bruins offices has this thing figured out because I'll be dark if I can figure out what they're going to do. Yeah, um, I, I know the know, cap is you know. You know the cap came into into play because there were teams like the Rangers and Detroit that had all sorts of revenue sources that other teams in the league didn't have, and in order to fight for a competitive balance, um, the league decided to put a cap in that would you know, was a, a, certainly a big fight with the Players Association to get that done, but um, it prevented teams from overpaying and uh, or paying too much making plenty of mistakes and still your, your money could buy your way out of it and that's what they were doing and now this is it's a it's a tough thing to manage um sometimes you got to give up players and teams around the league have given up players they didn't want to give up because they they had no other choice i mean toronto right now look at the their players and the the, the top paid players marner matthews nylander you know, those guys are making a boatload of money. And I, I, think, I don't know that Tavares. they can get Tavares. Yeah, that's yeah. where they really ran into problems. And, you know, they, they got greedy. They had enough forwards. They had enough offense. They didn't save any money for defensemen or goaltenders, for that matter. But uh, I, I don't know how they're going to get their way out of it. But the the rumors continue to swirl. And, and uh, I don't know how. I mean, and Evan Gold might be the guy that, is going to keep track of the money, but the guy that's going to make any changes will be Don Sweeney. I mean, that's the guy that's going to have to keep the phone lines open and and be creative with whatever he has to do in order to get in line. But um, there clearly needs to be some personnel movement. There definitely does. Kevin, we got to get to our break, Kevin. I'm sorry we're coming up against it, but I wanted to say thank you very much for calling in, brother. And obviously, you sound like you're a lifelong hockey guy, so thank you very much for joining us tonight on the program. We appreciate you. Great, great, great show. Talk to you later. 
Absolutely. We're going to step aside, take that halftime break. Well, it used to be halftime, Mike. Now it's kind of like quarter time because we're going to 7.30 tonight. But that's okay because we'll be right back here on Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury being proudly brought to you by Ketchis Law Group. Check them out online at KetchisLaw.com. Right back in the saddle here on 1510 WMEX Gloves Off Hockey. Oh, yes, and we've got all kinds of fun stuff still to go. Another call coming up on the board here. I want to say hello. Jamie's out in Lynn. How we doing out there, Jamie? Mike. Yes. Who's going to, who's going to, I think the Bruins have a chance to win this year because they have a really good defense and they 9-1. and one. But I think it's going to be the Bruins and... Another team in the in the Stanley Cup. Well, uh, they're always going to be another team because you got to have two to tango here. But uh, I think that uh, the Bruins have put themselves in a position to be in the conversation. I mean, Tampa Bay has fallen off a little bit. The Rangers had a good start, then they fell off. They play in a lot of home games. We'll see how that works out. Pittsburgh, you know, they're having their issues. Toronto having a ton of issues. I mean, you're, when you're talking about other teams in the league, all of a sudden. You're talking about Buffalo and New Jersey, and I don't have them anywhere near ready to compete against a team like Boston. Uh, I think the depth that Boston has now and their rejuvenation, like I I didn't expect Krejci and Bergeron to produce this way, and and they have, and it's it's been so much fun to watch. And the question is, can they continue this? You know, when you get to be 36, 37 like those guys are, you play a long season, but... You might run out of some steam, but these guys look like they're they're having enough fun. And when you're having fun like this and collecting points, um, your mindset's different about going to work. It's just a, it's a it's a fun place to be. And and right now, there's nobody in the league uh, having any more fun than the Boston Bruins at nine and one and, and an incredible start to their season. So uh, I think you you might be onto something. I never would have I like two months ago. I would not have been saying that they they have to be in the picture after the first ten games of the season, but I have to say they they've made a statement here, I've, and there's a long way to go. But but I, I like what they've I like what they've done. That's for sure. No doubt about it, Jamie. Thank you very much for the call, Mike. I forget where I read the article, but I read somewhere it said the Bruins have been nothing short of surprising. Obviously, this was not a pro Bruins article that I was reading. It said this was supposed to be one of those seasons where we all just kind of open the door, see where they're at, and see how they're going to fall on their face. But yet, they've kicked the door out from in front of us. And now they're taking the league by storm. Number one in the NHL right now. And again, I wish I could remember who wrote that article or where I saw it. It was in passing. But I said, no, that's a very telling sign right there. Some of the opposing uh, fan bases and or reporters or whomever in the media, if that's what they're talking about this team, that makes me feel good. That makes the little black and gold bear in my heart warm. What about you, Mike? Well, I mean, I, I don't have to worry about what the – reporters are saying I, I i've been around long enough to be able to evaluate on my own I, I i missed the boat early on i didn't think they could come back with this kind of intensity i but i didn't think you know i didn't know if they'd even have bergeron or, or Krejci to get into this thing but they clearly have embraced this theme of one more kick at the can and it looks to me as if the conference has become uh, less formidable for the most part. I mean, there, there are good teams in the conference, don't get me wrong, but it's a team like Tampa has had to, talking about the salary cap, has had to do some things that have 
lost them some players and it looks like they're a little bit more vulnerable than they were a couple of years ago. And so, I mean, I can only go by what I see and what I see is a really good hockey team now that's playing well without their best defenseman and has solved any kind of questions about their goaltending with, with Omar's performance early on. And let's hope Swayman can get it back on track after he gets through this injury. But uh, it is what it is. And um, I don't think anybody who's a Bruins season ticket holder has got anything to complain about at this point. Oh, no. And if they do, I want to know what seat they're uh, sitting <laughs> in so I can buy it when it's available in a few minutes. Yeah. You know, we're, we're <laughs> talking about some of the other teams around the league. Um, and now I always feel everybody feels sorry for Buffalo, right? I mean, it's not, I mean, it's, but it's the city is mired in the snow belt and it gets bombarded and it's had some tough times economically the past few years, but they're a passionate hockey town. I mean, really passionate. You have to, and and a football town. And now they get them both going. And that's kind of, I mean, I feel, I feel happy for them that they've, they've seen this turnaround. Tage Thompson had a six point game the other night, hat trick and three assists. So that hasn't been done in Buffalo since Pat LaFontaine, Pat LaFontaine did it way back in the early nineties. Absurd, by the way, the way he went about it last night. Yeah, it was, it was, he put on a show and Rasmus Dahlin, now looks like he's emerging as one of the top defensemen in, in the National Hockey League. But they also have some contributors, like Alex Stuck came from Vegas uh, in a trade, and he's 6'3 and 9, finding his, finding his game if he, he's basically come home. He's from Rochester, just down the road. Um, and at 6'3, six, 6'3, six they're, you know, they win tonight, and they play Pittsburgh tonight, and they crawl within just four points of the Boston Bruins. And that's, that's a statement considering how hot the Bruins have been and so Buffalo looks like and you know what I think about it they traded away Ryan O'Reilly they traded away Jack Eichel they couldn't I mean, wait to get rid of Eichel what are you talking about yeah well it was all a problem with his choice of doctors and procedures when he had that neck injury and looks like it's turned out right for him because right now um, Jack Eichel is on fire he's their MVP in Vegas and by the way Vegas now at Nine and two, continues to win. Coaching changes seems to have worked for both the Bruins and for and for the Las Vegas club, um, and they've been just rolling right along. And uh, you know, big win for them last night in Washington on the road. We'll see if that can continue. But for, they found a goaltender and a kid by the name of Logan Thompson. And I like this story because he, he was not drafted. Uh, he was invited to the Capitals camp. Uh, and actually was around in the locker room when they won the, the Stanley Cup, and he wouldn't go near it, he wouldn't touch it. And then the Capitals had too many goaltenders on the roster, and uh, they let him go. And Vegas picked him up, picked him up because uh, his old coach and juniors uh, was Kelly McCrimmon, who's the general manager of the uh, Vegas Knights. And then they, they, uh, they've done a remarkable job with this guy. He's only there because of injuries to Laner and I forget the guy, the other guy's name, but this guy's making it look easy. I mean, he's the number one goaltender for, for, for a reason. I don't think he's, I don't know if he's lost a game yet, but this is a, 
a real turnaround for a team that was worried about their goaltending. Looks like they got a number one guy. Well, if you can uh, stymie Alex Ovechkin and get him as frustrated as they had him at the end of OT last night, that's uh, a job well done, if I do say so myself, Mike. And uh, we got another caller on the line. I want to bring him on. It's Brendan out in Stoughton. He's calling in out there. Uh, Brendan, can you hear us? You're live on the show. I am, uh, Benny. Mike, thanks for having me join the show here. I have a two-part question for, for you guys, and then I'll hang up and listen. Um, a big question everyone had coming into the season was how the Bees would respond to Jim Montgomery's coaching philosophy. Looks like they're doing just fine in that regard. What has stood out about his game planning to you? And part two, you kind of just hit on it. Meanwhile, Bruce, Vegas, uh, Bruce Cassidy and the Vegas Golden Knights are sitting atop the Western Conference. And I just find that interesting. Do you think both of these teams really just needed a change in voice or philosophy? to get Well, I, I, I guess they did. I mean, clearly something was going on in Boston with Bruce. Um, you know, he, he early on in the year made some public comments about players, and I think that got squashed. And he clearly had some problems with Jake DeBrusque. Um, but I don't think that was the only issue. And the Bruins made a pretty gutsy call on on Bruce Cassidy, whose who's winning percentage can't be denied. He was he did an excellent job while he was in Boston, but sometimes you know his philosophy might not jive with the management, and the management's philosophy was to open it up a little bit. And so they go out and hire Jim Montgomery, who was supposedly a really heady offensive player. And what have they done? I'm not sure I can answer that question. This is not the first time the defensemen have been encouraged to join the play. Uh, I mean, they just have, it looks like they have put a blend together of talent that is deeper than we thought it was. And uh, yes, they seem to have a dip. There's clearly, with every coach, there's a different approach. There's a different feel. And Montgomery's feel seems to be touchy-feely. You know, he never says a bad word about the players, at least not publicly or hasn't yet. You know, if he says that it was a bad game, it was we had a bad night, not not this player or that player. And um, and I guess that's, you know, it's a sign to the players that he's, he's got your back. And that to me is is essential when you get in. You you want them to like you a little. You don't. They don't have to love you because you're still going to have to discipline them. But clearly the change has brought about a new attitude, and so has the presence of David Krejci and Postonok and, and, and Lindholm. Those guys are all playing at a different level. And, and you know, it's, it's when all your best players now are hitting on all cylinders, good things are going to happen. And that's what's happening there is how much is Jim Montgomery responsible? Well, he hasn't skated a shift yet. And it's hard to measure the coach's, the coach's influence, but it clearly uh, looks like it's made for a different attitude a willingness to take some more chances and uh, and right now some success. <clears throat> On the other hand, Bruce Cassidy goes to uh, to Las Vegas. He employs the same system. This is a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. And uh, their goaltender, Logan Thompson, talked about it. Um, and he said, we know that we're going to forecheck hard. We're going to go hard, take the body, and try to make some stuff happen. But in our zone... We're gonna we're gonna stay tight to the front of the net, and they're gonna only have per- peripheral chances, and that's worked like a charm. So, yeah, coaching changes can make a difference, and in these two cases, they've made the world a difference for both clubs. Go figure. We'll take it though. But 
We're going to step aside, take our last break of the evening. We're going to take it up to 7 o'clock with you tonight here on Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury, your friend Ben Rabinovitz. We'll be right back. This program is proudly being brought to you by Ketchis Law. Again, folks, check them out online, catcheslaw.com, and find out how many situations they can help get you out of all across New England. Back here on 1510 WMEX. Gloves off hockey. Mike Milbury, your friend Ben Rabinovitz, and Russ Stevens joining us in the studio. Russ, uh, this is your first time here with us. How you feel so far? I feel really good about uh, everything. Mike, how you doing tonight? Doing okay. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, I know uh, the one loss that the Bruins have got was the Ottawa game, obviously. And... Uh, after that game, I know you had some very stern words about, yeah, about the style. It still bothers me. <laughs> and, and listen, last night they were at fault and on a couple of occasions because they weren't defensively aware. I don't care if you want a defenseman to join the rush. Great. That's great. Join the rush. But somebody's got to cover for him. Somebody's, and the defenseman has to pick his chances, his opportunities to go and when not to go. And then everybody has to be aware defensively. It's it's that that's the other half. If you're going to play run and gun and just run and gun, it's going to end badly for you. And I'm not saying it's all been run and gun, but I think they they've whittled it down. But there are nights like last night where you can I don't want to nitpick, but there were clearly um, mistakes made in front of Olmark and left him vulnerable. So there's still work to be done. And uh, I think they'll they'll address it, but given guys, you know, given other teams three goal leads is not my recipe for success. No, not at all. And I think, uh, you know, the, there's got to be a balance. And I think uh, after that game, uh, after they saw how much uh, the fans reacted to it, I, I think that was a bit of a wake up call for them. So now, uh, now they're on a roll. You know. I, New coach comes in and, and the management has said, you know, we want to get more open here. We want to get more goal scoring. And they are. They're leading the league in goals. But um, my contention is doesn't have to come with as big a price as they were paying uh, early on. And I think they will address this. I think there's enough guys like Bergeron who know that they have to play well in their own zone. I think there's enough guys like, you know, like McAvoy and like Lindholm, who know that you got to buckle down. And so I think they will buckle down. That still concerns me. It's about the only concern I have, except maybe the salary cap and what happens, what what move is going to have to be made in order to accommodate Charlie McAvoy's re-entry. I mean, they'll, they'll, they have to do something to get it done. Yeah. What it is, I don't know. Halloween's already passed. The time for nightmares are supposed to be done and over right now, Mike, but... I can only imagine what uh, superhuman mathematicianized numbers they're going to have to figure out. Like the caller said, Kevin, it ain't me. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, let's uh, take a look at the Rangers preview, and then we're going to look at the uh, scores from around the league last night and find out if Mike is surprised or not with those outcomes. But the Rangers are going to be up next on the docket, Mike. They are, and what a hockey game they had last night with the Philadelphia Flyers. At one, at one point they put on the board in New York – that the Rangers had outchanced the uh, Flyers 41-12. to 12. I don't know if I buy that. But, I mean, it was pretty much a one-way street in terms of opportunities. But Carter Hart has been the MVP for the Philadelphia Flyers. 
and he was brilliant. And so was Shesterkin at the other end of the ice. But the Rangers have been a, you know, they had a little bump in the middle of the road here, lost a couple of tough games, but they're a pretty talented group. They're a pretty patient group, and they can, they, they've started to find their balance. Like the Bruins need to find their balance between offense and defense. And they're, they're being patient, but they're still confident enough to get the job done offensively. Three wins in a row coming into November. It's a kind of a weird stat from, from the Rangers' perspective. Since the 05-06 season, they've won more games in November than any NHL team. Does that mean anything? Not to me, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> well put. Well played. <laughs> um, so what's making them go? I mean, talent drives the bus in the National Hockey League. Talent and, and hard work and compete. Artemi Panarin, I mean, he's a... A water bug. He's fun to watch. Great playmaker. Going to turn the puck over from time to time. And it'll be incumbent upon the Bruins to be in his face because if you're not in his face and he's got time and space, he's going to make some things happen. Mika Zibanejad is there, you know, I don't think, I can't remember seeing a player develop like this come as far as Mika Zibanejad has come in a Ranger uniform. I mean, he's just... Super confident, super visible on the ice, distributes the puck and shoot the one timer. I mean, this is a this is a first line center on anybody's team in the National Hockey League. And so, you know, it was nice when they picked up Vinny Trocheck from Florida and he's had a good start with the with the Rangers. You need another guy at the center ice position to take a little heat off, and he's certainly done that. And you know, Kreider, well, last night scores the game winner in OT. Um Net front presence, good power play. By the way, I mean it. It, it hasn't really translated in a. It's not a much different percentage than the Bruins, but you know when you got that group of five on the ice, and usually that's what it is: Trocheck, Zibanejad, Panarin, and Adam Fox at the point. Um, you're gonna you're gonna cause some trouble for the opposition. And they're making some really nifty little passes through the seams on the power play and redirect passes that that, that have developed into goals. I'm sure Jim Montgomery has seen them. And we'll, we'll keep an eye out for them in, in terms of Boston's penalty killing. But I think this is a team, and I've said it from the beginning, that I look to uh, I look to be competing for a spot in the Stanley Cup final. And the defense is kind of underrated. Fox, of course, Norris Trophy winner. Jacob Trubo, you know, I, he's, he flies underneath the radar. But this is a really, really strong player. Keandre Miller and Ryan Lindgren, you know, they're just – get the job done kind of defenseman, but it's it's a pretty solid group. And Shesterkin, well, 6-0 and for Igor. Speaks for himself. Yeah, I mean, he lost the one game in, in OT to Colorado, but, I mean. Who's going to fault him for that? No, no, he, he and Georgiev also put on a clinic that night, and it was a pretty interesting team that's come along here, and I, I'm going to be watching this one with some interest. They. Like I said, they played a lot of home games, and they're taking advantage of that now. But they'll pay the price for that fiddling around later on in the in the season. But it all works out in the wash. But right now, I I, I like the feel of the Rangers. I think their coach is a solid guy. He seems to have their seems to have their confidence, and it's going to be uh, a good matchup for the Bruins heading into the third game of a four game road trip. It's going to be something, no doubt about it. 
last uh, couple of minutes, a little under eight minutes here to go on the show. So we always like to review the games from yesterday or the ones closest thereof, and there were a bucket full of them last night. So let's spin through some. You already talked about the Rangers and the Flyers, 1-0 and OT. Clearly not surprised by that one. Uh, Tampa Bay gets back in the W category, though, with a 4-3 regulation win over the Senators. Is that surprising to you, or is that no, status it's not. Su- it's not surprising to me, but it's, it's um, you know, Ottawa has played with a different kind of flair, and they're a tougher out than they've been in a long time. And they, It looks like they've lost Josh, Josh Norris, one of their key players, maybe for the season, but that's a real bitter pill to swallow from the Ottawa Senators' standpoint. But they obviously made it a an interesting game. I mean, uh, we talked about it earlier with, with, you know, an empty net staring Tampa in the face. They missed it. And all of a sudden, Steven Stamkos thought he was playing for Ottawa and sent Brady Chuchuk on a breakaway, which just missed the net uh, to tie it up. But I, I think that uh, you still have to consider a guy like Kucherov, who scored the game winner late. And a beautiful one-time pass. I mean, it's just, it's just a you know, not too many guys can hit it with that kind of authority. And Kucherov is there. And you've got Edmund, Vasilevsky. They're, they're still going to be a tough team to, to knock out. But uh, it doesn't surprise me with, with Ottawa being a little bit dinged up and Tampa at home, still looking for some wins, trying to get on the right track, um, getting the job done uh, against Ottawa. Absolutely. And going to spin through a couple of these. I know these were not surprising. Uh, the Wild with a 4-1 win over the Canadians in Minnesota. It's nice to see them win at home in front of the fans, but uh, you know both teams not playing for a whole lot of pennies at the moment. So we'll move on from that. Of course, the Islanders 3-1 in regulation over the Blackhawks. That doesn't seem so surprising, but the Isles have had their struggles as of late. Well, they've come back to the pack here. I think they, they had their struggles early, but they've Seem to have turned it on, and uh, it's a team that everybody thought, you know, was an aberration last year. Remember, they were out of the building for like the first thirteen games of the year. Were on the road. They had a bunch of injuries, but <clears throat> the Islanders are a pretty good team, and they've they've started to play uh, on all cylinders lately. And Chicago actually has been a pretty good. They've been much better than people anticipated. So it's not an automatic two points going into to Chicago you still have to work for it but they are not what they once were and the Islanders took advantage of it so not shocked to see it and not shocked to see the Islanders starting to uh, motor along a little bit better one of the games I I don't know if you're going to ask me about I definitely want to talk about was the Edmonton game they steamrolled Nashville that was Uh, the next one on the docket 7-4 in regulation well McDavid and Drysaw it'll put on a show nine points between them um in the last, I saw a stat today. In the last nine games against Nashville, Leon Dreisaitl has 25 points, 18 goals, what? and seven assists. It's just, it's almost three points a game That's- against. It is crazy, and <laughs> to th- you know, to think that if it's not Dreisaitl, it's going to be the maybe the best player in the game. And McDavid is is mind boggling. But they seem to have found their gear and are ratcheting it up. I'm still concerned about their goaltender but Stuart Skinner is starting to show that he can get the job done and Jack Campbell also uh you know off his trade from or free agent signing from Toronto can get the job done but that's still a question mark for me we'll see how that goes but boy they there's so much fun to watch because you never you never know what kind of you never know what kind of performance you're going to get from those two guys and generally speaking it's going to be entertaining 
Absolutely. Going to speed roll over these ones. The Kraken and the Flames 5-4. Kraken take the victory in regulation. And the Devils 5-2 over the lowly Canucks. But I couldn't help but notice i got two final questions for you. First of all, the Florida Panthers go into uh, Mullet Arena down in Arizona, and they uh, lose 3-1 to the Coyotes. We haven't talked much about Mullet Arena yet. No, so we haven't. I want to get your take. Well, apparently the city... Has not has decided not to renew their their, their relationship with a team, and so they have to get to a new building, um, and it's kind of an insult to the to the Coyotes, but it is what it is. But they move over to Arizona State University, and I think it's about five thousand people. Uh, yep, it's a five thousand seat. Uh, I was, you know, it has to be a bit of a come down, but then again. If Arizona's not drawing anybody, it's better to have a full building, an enthusiastic building, which it which it's been in the two games that they played there. Uh, it, it was uh, it's just different, right? I mean, it's just yeah. instead of seeing sixteen thousand, fifteen thousand, you got five thousand people. But they're going to try to make it work, and they're going to have to make it work for another two or three years before they get into a new building. And it's uh, it's kind of a shame. It's a rough way to be for the uh, Coyotes fan base. They are a loyal group out there in the middle of the desert. I will give them that, but yeah, you well, wish they'd see not a that bit loyal. If they were that loyal, they would have filled the building before, and the town wouldn't have kicked them out. Let me but, re- let me rephrase it this way: There's a few diehards that are worth mentioning. Let's yeah. put it that way. Uh, by the way, you blew past the Devils in Vancouver. Vancouver can't get out of their own way, of course. But New Jersey now uh, finding ways to win. You know, sometimes they score seven. Sometimes they score five. They beat Colorado on the road and won nothing. I mean, it's it's a it's an interesting team to watch. I think their general manager Tom Fitzgerald, people know from around here, um, local guy. I mean, has done a pretty good job. I don't think they're ready to contend for a Stanley Cup, but uh, they're not in bad. They're they're on the right road, in my opinion. That's right. And the final thing I wanted to bring up, not that it was a hugely noteworthy game, but the battle of the dead last, the San Jose Sharks and the Anaheim Ducks go to a shootout and the Ducks take it 6-5. But I have to mention, did you happen to see the play where Silverberg tried to make a defensive swipe with his stick and ended up putting a really nice wrister on his own goal, causing an own goal? I did not see that, but there's a reason why I didn't tune into San Jose versus Anaheim because they both suck. <laughs> There's no other really way to put it, folks. <laughs> the man's not wrong. <laughs> well, that's what it was. I do recommend the highlight for a defensive stick swipe. Not bad of a wrister, I will say. Mike- and by the way, before we leave, the the, uh, the Global Series kicks off in Finland in Tampere. Uh, GM Jarmo Kikolainen used to play for the Bruins, is leading his club with a bunch of Finnish players. Uh, and you know what? It just struck me when I saw that, like, those guys are going to play in front of their their home fans, their their buddies, their parents, and I got to do that for twelve years in Boston. It was just a just a, a lucky me moment. Oh, that's awesome! Well, we wish them all the best of luck, and uh, we'll have the results of that for you next time here on Gloves Off Hockey. Mike, thank you very much as always for joining us. We appreciate you very much, and we'll catch you next week, bud. All right, Ben. On behalf of Mike Milbury, Russ Stevens, I'm Ben Rabinovitz. Thank you so much for joining us here on 1510 WMEX for Gloves Off Hockey, brought to you by Ketchis Law Group, online at KetchisLaw.com. MeTV, up next here on 1510 WMEX.